0: If you would, to Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, I, uh, the cold has been going around. I have picked up, though I have been fighting in it probably for about a month now, and I'm still fighting it. I'm, I don't believe I'm going to let it have a dominion over me by the grace of God, but it has affected my voice some, and so I did not teach my Sunday school class this morning to try to save it for this. I believe I'll also be able to preach tonight. Uh, By the grace of God, also I have something very important to speak about tonight. Um, Our anniversary is coming up, 36th anniversary, I believe it is, and our gym dedication. That will be March 6th. It's going to be a high time for us. We're going to have our contractors show up that were part of it. Uh, Some of the contractors that will come will be here. And and then after the service over on the 6th, we're all going to make our way out there and just have a very brief, uh, dedication in the auditorium uh, of the gym, I mean, to God. It is a miracle place. Uh, really, I, 14 years ago, I had the concept and was, I believe, moved the spirit. In the meantime, we had the great slump of 205, 206, 207, and really didn't really see or could not foresee it, doing it. Here at the gospel, we pay as we go. We had the credit back then to do it. We could have we credited everything you see. Banks are coming constantly to us, asking us to borrow money. And we just decided in 1980 we weren't going to do that. We were going to pay as we go. That was the only way we knew whether God was for something or not. The banks are for it. I can tell you that. You want to build something, they'll put you the money, they'll balloon it, they'll do all kinds of stuff, and then when you go bad, they'll take it back. And it shames the name of Christ when that happens so often. But that's just our philosophy. Your philosophy may be different. But Our philosophy is pay as we go. It's the way Moses did it. I like Moses pretty well. Exodus chapter 33, verse 13, uh, I, I believe the words here are profound. If you've walked much with God or if you've had a hunger and desire to know God, the God of all that is, and by the way, who really hasn't at one time or another in their life wanted to know the creator of all that is? God makes sure that that thought at least goes through your mind. The title of the message is Who is God? How can we find out about God? Exodus thirty three thirteen says, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, this is the part that I want you to underline, show me now thy way, that I may know thee. That's the big part of that. That I may find grace in thy sight and consider as this nation of thy people. In Exodus, same chapter, verse 18, he says, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. Those words are very similar um, in the New Testament to what Paul, Moses and Paul had a lot in common. In uh, Philippians chapter 3 verse 10, Paul said almost an exact quote of Moses where it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. I have quoted that verse to God thousands of times. Thousands of times. Oh, that I may know you and the power of your resurrection. I'd like to stop there actually. I I really, the last part, the fellowship of your sufferings, I got to say with a little lump in my throat. And then the last part, of course, being made conformable to your death, that's even more serious. But may it be so. In spite of the trouble and the suffering, may it be so. That in the end of this whole thing, I can say I've known God some, and I've walked with God some. Do you you want to know this morning who God is? Is there a burning desire in your innermost being to know the creator of all that is? I hope there is. That's the beginning of a journey, your desire to know him. How does one know who God is? By what means can this happen? How does God condescend to our level? How does he communicate with such ignorance as we are? I've taught a little junior church. I've taught a little small Sunday school. It is not my favorite because I have a hard time condescending to men of low estate. I have a hard time how old is that? How's your child? Wow. Three, twos, and threes. I mean, I just they wear me out faster than a triathlon. If you asked me to run home 15 miles and back, it wouldn't be as much energy as I could spell being around two and three year olds. I am trying to get in their head and find out what's why are they doing what they're doing and, and on and on. But Miss Miley has has bridged the gap on all that. She literally can get in a group of 50, 75, 2, and 3, 4-year-olds and control them. It's a mind game of some kind. I've seen mothers try to communicate with their babies. I've seen dads trying to communicate with their 6-month-old or 3-year-old. Uh, and try to condescend to them to get something in it with a limited level of communication is hard to overcome. Can you just imagine how God tries to communicate with you and for me and me, the God that made everything? I mean, it's just amazing. He is able to, his his, his genius and his abilities in some degree is that he can condescend to us. God has overcome the communication gap between us and him. God shows himself to us in three ways. As a musician is reflected by his music. As an artist is reflected by his painting. As a builder is reflected by his structure, which we're going to have our dedication with our builder here. As a singer is reflected by his singing. God is reflected by what he has made. I've tried to be a student since coming to know Christ as my Savior of God. I am a student of God. I want to know Him. I want to know all about Him. I want to know the nuances. I want to know the big things and the small things. In Psalm chapter 19, 1 through 3, maybe the most famous and often quoted place in the Bible where it says the heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth forth His handiwork. Day unto day other speech, and night unto night showeth forth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. that clear enough? There's no place out there where people are going to say, God didn't reach me. Because God reaches everybody in various ways. We see God in the extremes that he has made. We see God through the beautiful things, don't we? Have you been here for some sunsets? Uh, The beach people, Marty and his wife, Talked to me the other day about a green spot. They saw a green spot. Like this, they've seen a six, seven, eight green spots through the years they've lived on the beach. That's not many. They've been on the beach. said like 20 years, I think. But a green spot. How many here have seen a green spot? That's a flash of a sun. That's few. You need to start looking more. I've looked, I, lo- I don't want to miss a sunset. The cruise coming up to Hawaii, I've done in 205, and the beautiful thing about that cruise is uh, they go around the islands so you see the sunset and every see the sunset sunrise that's half the trip right there. You get to look at the islands from 10 stories up away from the island about a mile or two. The beauty of it all, the cloud formations. I think Florida's one of the most beautiful places on the planet because it's in the full tropics, we're not subtropics here, we're full tropics. And the full tropics have a special cloud formations that come to them. Uh, people that are, you, you can call us flatlanders all you want, but the truth is we live in a mountain range. If you look in the summertime, especially spring and fall and summertime, you see those massive thunderheads go up to 50,000 feet and the sun hitting them from every imaginable angle and the rainbows that we have here. I have been at the end of the rainbow. We see the flowers. We live in Florida. Flower, the place of flowers. I love flowers. Um, I grow flowers of all kinds, try to plant flowers of all kinds. Orchids, one of my favorite, because they stay so long. An orchid will stay blooming for three, four months, it seems like. They love oak trees, put them under oak trees, and they bloom in every. Every imaginable shape and color orchids manifest the glory of God. God has manifested himself through his extremes, the beautiful things. But he's, I, what about spider webs? I mean, think of a, a measly old spider, and nothing. You don't even think about them. But I've gone out in the mornings when the, when the fog comes through my area, and it'll settle on a spider's web, which he had to make, by the way, overnight. He makes a masterpiece every night. And you look at the water hanging. Of course, you northern folks, ice hangs on your spider webs. <laughs> and you see the mastery that the web is equal distance. I, I, I look. At it, I, I didn't get a, my micrometer out or anything, but I mean equal distance on the. And this little thing just you know. And they had to jump from the tree and then go down there and go back up there and again. Of course, I walk right through it. I know that. It's so bad at my house that when I walk from my barn where I park my truck 225 feet to my house, I carry a flashlight because we have walked into web after web after web. No offense meant, but I just don't like a big old, we got these big old fuzzy spiders. and I just don't like them crawling on them. That's not real big on that. We manage, but God's screaming at me through the spider webs, through the flowers, through the cloud formations, through the sunsets. Through the starry nights, I live 15 miles, about 10 miles inland, actually 15 miles from here, and it's darker there than it is here, you poor souls that live here. And we get to go out there, and we, I sometimes stand there and just look at it all and say, glory to God in the highest. Worship God under those stars that he's made. We see the ugly things, too. Remember, I said the extreme thing. That's the beautiful thing. Everybody's, oh, everybody's into beauty. Oh, beauty, beauty, beauty. They love it. Oh, but what about the ugly things? God made the ugly things too, amen? He made me. Try to turn off your cell phones, would you please? He made the old ugly bulldog. The old slobbery bulldog comes up to you when you're all nice and clean and goes There's slobber everywhere. I've done a lot of visiting through the years, been in people's homes and doggone bulldogs. I'll go to a house, see a bulldog, and go, oh, no. Because they're friendly, and they ain't happy unless they slobbered you. They are not happy if they don't put slobber on top of you, over you, by you. Of course, trying to be gracious. I'm sure there's a number of people who never came back to gospel because I was not able to accomplish that. I see the gentle and frail things, the rough and the tough things, the massive things, the huge things, the small things and the microscopic thing. I see the things that smell, and I smell I don't not only see them, but I smell the these sweet things. I have in my house on all four corners of my house, night-blooming jasmine. I have other kinds of jasmine. I have gardenias. I like smell, and I have a good nose. My wife cannot smell anything, and I mean that. Uh, she but praise God that that's led to a happy marriage. Take that any way you want. <laughs> Triple X. I I smell those beautiful things, but also smell the horrible things, the repulsive things, roadkill. I smell those, and I think, God's part of that, too. He's part of that. Uh, I I taste things. I taste fabulous things like ribeye. (laughs) Baked potato, smothered, covered in everything you can put on it. Uh, Bacon. Oh, my goodness. Is there anything better than bacon fried in a pan? Sometimes I get a hankering for bacon. Not very often. I'll go buy a pound of bacon and try to fry the whole pound, eat it all. I've outlived a lot of people who told me it was bad for me. And I've had a happy life. They ate lettuce and non-tasting cardboard, and they died before me. I have tasted the beautiful, fabulous things. I've tasted bitter things. I've tasted sweet things. And I think of God in all of that. All these God has made. He is made to reflect the sheer variety of who he is. His depth, his wit, his length, his architectural abilities, the planets, the galaxies, the sun, the moon, the stars, all scream of who he is. The sheer complexity of things shows his genius. I pulled an article off of the web on the retina. A doctor one time told me, if there is if a born-again doctor. He said, if anything in the human body proves that there's a God, it's the retina. At that time, I didn't really know that, and that was new information. But here's the, what I've read. Let me read this. I don't mean to bore you, but let me read this to you real quickly. Because all the retina neurons and ganglia and other hardware are packed in by a separation of less than a wavelength of light, the retina is totally transparent. You look at a retina, even though it has all that hardware, and it's much, it's much more complex than a silicon uh, computer chip, it is totally transparent, light goes right through it. What's going on inside of the retina? What has been es- estimated by a number of computer scientists who are trying to simulate the ver- visual system with computer models that 10 billion calculations occur every second before the image goes back to the brain. Here's a quotation from John Stevens, a Ph.D., Associate Professor of Physiology and Biomedical Engineering. To simulate 10 milliseconds of the complete processing of even a single nerve cell from the retina would require the solution of about 500 simultaneous nonlinear differential equations 100 times and would take at least several minutes of processing time by a Cray supercomputer, keeping in mind that there are 10 million or more of such cells interacting with each other in complex ways. He just was talking about one. It would take a minimum of 100 years of Cray time to simulate what it takes in your eye many times every second. You have to keep in mind that this particular engineering feat was done 6,000 years ago, because I believe creation was 6,000 years ago. Now, we brag about being, computers are old the day you buy them. Amen? You buy a computer, they already got another manufacturer and ready to come out and tell you that they're faster, better, and do, you know. But God created the retina 6,000 years ago, old stuff. It's using neurons that are a million times slower than the little wires inside a computer chip, which you call conducting traces. So you are starting out with hardware that is already a million times slower than anything we have in the silicone chip. However, it's put together in such a highly organized and sophisticated way that even the retina in a lowly animal marvelously outperforms most advanced computers. Add on that, It keeps repairing itself. If you could make a retina chip, going through a list of specifications, he is saying that it would weigh almost 100 pounds. Typically, the little silicone chip that runs a computer is about a fraction of an inch in size and a wafer thin. This dream chip would have this, this retina dream chip, if you could make it, would weigh 100 pounds to do what the retina does. For comparison, the mammalian whatever that is, the mammalian retina weighs less than a gram. And, and, and he goes on to talk about size. It, that little computer chip to duplicate what the retina does would take 300 watts. The retina takes 0. .0003 milliwatts. So what God has done through the retina is he has showed you what he can do with Size. He has showed what he can do with the littlest of power. Man would weigh 100 pounds. It would be huge, and it would use 300 watts. You're sitting here looking at me today, and I'll be honest with you, I've taken my retina for granted. I've taken my eyes for granted day in, day out. I've always had them. I don't think much about them. I rub them. I, I, but I have, as I've gotten older, I do. I have begun to protect them with glasses. Part of it is because I'm blind without them, but part of it is also when I do anything now, I put glasses on because I don't want to lose my eye because it's a marvelous gift of God. It reflects in some degree who God is. God shows himself through what he has made, folks. And also, secondly, God shows himself through his book, the Bible. And lately I've been talking about this. There's no other book. That has the prophecy of in the magnitude even close to this book. There's over a thousand prophecies. Some and people may vary on that number. Five hundred have been completed exactly as they were prophesied. One half of the prophecy of this book's been done exactly. Nobody could do that except God. You'd have to be God to control all the circumstances through a period, a long period of time. God used some 44 men to write this old book over a period of 3,500 years. Why, if I passed a piece of paper around this morning, started it with Nick, told him to write down a simple story how fishing was yesterday. That wouldn't take long. And by the time it got back through every one of you and got back through over here, we'd probably have some mythology the the Greeks couldn't even think of. Yet this Bible... Though it's been passed down from 44 different men over 35, 35, 3600 years, does not have contradictions in it. It's inerrant. And, and if it wasn't the heathen, the non believers, the Muslims, the Buddhists, those who oppose us, would find the errors and put them all over the internet, but they're not there. They're not there. This book is a marvel. The old King James Bible is a marvel. I respect it. God preserved these words through the written, though though these words were written on the flimsiest material. Why, they were written on perishable plant material, papyrus. They were written on animal skins, yet preserved with the largest document trail known to any written document of man. Shakespeare, as much as we may like or not like Shakespeare has a fraction of the document trail than the Bible. The Bible's got thousands of documents, six, seven thousand documents, just New Testament spanning down all these centuries that can be compared to each other. It's called the received text, or textus receptus. Wow. He preserved it. Nothing we hold historically. Let me make this statement. You say, well, Brother Bill, I don't accept that. I don't, I don't believe that to be true. Then don't believe anything you read about history because there's no documents in history of antiquity that even come close to being, have the trail of written document that follows the Bible. Nothing even close. This book has more proof, more, more re- references back and forth from different languages, anywhere from Latin to Hebrew to Aramaic, the various languages that it was translated in that can all be compared to each other. Shakespeare is not true if the Bible is not true. And you can just go down through history over and over and over again. True science, modern science, has not challenged this old book. Who could know what was going to be discovered by science of the future? Yet the Bible is uncontradicted by any science, by modern science, now, remember, I'm, I'm not talking about evolution because evolution is not science, it's religion. Evolution has never been witnessed or tested. It's just a religion people believe, and they choose to believe it. And they can have a PhD, I don't care, they can have whatever they want, but they just choose to believe it because there's, a, there's an agenda with them that they have to and want to deny God and deny this book, though this book is a miracle book, they're out there saying, no, it we evolved so they don't have to face God someday, but they will, won't they? God has revealed Himself through everything He's made. He's revealed Himself through this old work, this old book, the Bible. The, the the and you know what's funny is for years the Bible contradicted true science. For you remember Columbus? I never met him. Fourteen ninety two, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. I'm gonna memorize that. Good teachers, aren't they? 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He thought, now he had an idea the world was round, though I think he wasn't real sure of himself. But the Bible talked about the the world being round thousands of years before that. Knowledge that men lost in their arrogance. The Bible talks about the rain cycles. The Bible talks about DNA. Psalm 139, 16 says, Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being Unperfect, that means not completely made yet. And in thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. That is a, as good a definition as DNA as you're going to find. How many of you, How many in this room have ever seen DNA? No, but it's there. My pattern, my DNA pattern is so unique that all the people, nobody in the world has a DNA pattern like I have. it. God is take it all of what I'm going to look like, how tall I'm going to be, what my hands are going to be, my eye color, everything, my hair color, the fact that I wouldn't have gray hair at 64. That's DNA. The fact that I have hair at 64 is DNA. It's 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 all put together. It's and and you know, the Bible knew that way ahead of science. It's amazing. It's amazing. So we see We see Jehovah God, the Father, in the Old Testament, learn of him there. We see Jesus, the Son of God, in the Gospels, and we learn of him there. We see the Holy Spirit in the epistles, and we learn of him there. So the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is revealed through his word. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, we have the mind of Christ. Romans ten seventeen says, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. In other words, you're going to learn about God through what he has made, but that's not enough. After you believe there is a God, there has to be an intelligence that created all this. You find his book, which he has provided for you, to more detailed information. In that book, you find out he sent his only begotten son, that he would die for you, and it's been been an adequate sacrifice on the old rugged cross like a brother sang about. And you, by faith, humble yourself to God and ask Jesus to be your Savior. God bursts you into his family. And you become a child of God. i got to take a little drink here. Ah, how sweet it is. God made water. Thank you, Jesus, for water. Thirdly, we find out about God through the Holy Spirit. So we find out about God by what he made. We find out about God by the word of God. And we find out about God by the blessed Holy Spirit. No man comes unto God except the Father draw him. In John chapter 6, verse 44, it says, No man can come to me, Jesus' words, except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up the last day. The Holy Spirit was sent when Jesus ascended back unto the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us. In John chapter 16, verse 13, How be it when he, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. In John 15, 26, it says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, who proceedeth from the Father, what will you do? He will testify of me. An unsaved man goes out and and looks at the sunsets and looks at the stars and hears the songbirds and sees the complexity of a a spider web. He he smells the beautiful night-blooming jasmine. He he enjoys all of these things, and God is speaking to them, him to him, saying, I exist. I am here for you. I love you. Even though you don't know me and don't even like me and don't care about me, I've given all these good things to you. And that drives a man to seek, seeking God, and then God reveals himself through, through his word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And then as you go into the word of God, what, what happens as you go into the word of God? The blessed Holy Spirit comes by, and he begins to whisper to you. As you read those words, he begins to speak like, how many here many ever talk to themselves? Get it up! Come on now, put it up. You know it's true bothers me when i answer i'm not going to ask you for a show of hands but how many of you have hear, heard the blessed whisper of the holy spirit how many of you have heard god speak to you it's a strange kind of thing it's a nonverbal communication but it sounds verbal but it's nonverbal the holy i've been walking in a Busy about my day, you know. I'm all oh, my important stuff that I have to do. And I go to Ace Hardware, my favorite place to shop. And I walk in there and buy my little stuff that I get to do my little projects with. And I'm kind of in a hurry waiting in line. Next, I walk up there and pay for my thing. I get my bags, say thank you, girl. I walk out on bay to my car. The Holy Spirit talks to me. He says, You didn't give that girl a gospel track. Back and give her a gospel track, and then I start arguing with God. Well, you know, I'm in a hurry, and what I got to do is real important, and I got to get back here because I just need to do this. And uh, that's that's a pretty crummy argument. And this woman's souls forever. And yes, Lord, I'll go back and do it. I put the junk in the truck, you know, I got always got the tracks, man. Have them with you. You that smoke know what I'm talking about, you always got them with you. And and you carry them with you. If you want to take tracks and look cool, you wrap them up in your t shirt. <laughs> wrap them over your t shirt right here and right over here and carry gospel tracks. I got a load, I got 40 tracks. So you carry your gospel tracks with you and you walk into the, and you, oh, she got five guys waiting in line. I'm in a hurry, my life's important but God, you want me to do this. So you listen to the blessed Holy Spirit and you get in line and you think, this this looks strange, I better buy something. So you buy something you don't need and you stand there and you say, oh, I forgot to buy this. Oh, by the way, God told me to give you this. for He cares about your soul and he leads you to tell him whatever you tell him. And and I can't tell you how many times uh, that I've had the Holy Spirit say that to me. Just last week, I've been reading the Bible. Going through verse and going over time after time after time after time, didn't think much about it. All of a sudden, God the Holy Spirit goes, and he opens my mind that I can see it. Not just see it as as wisdom, but see it wisdom to me. See it in my life. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Sometimes you'll be reading that and you'll go, oh, I haven't humbled myself under your hand. I'm starting to get proud, self-righteous, self-sufficient. Self-centered, and all that's bad. And I begin to go, brother, God reveals himself through the Holy Spirit of God. By the way, he doesn't just do it for saved people, he talks to unsaved people. I can't tell you how many un- people before they got born again said God came by their house and made things, made things clear to them. My mother was under deep, deep conviction of the Holy Spirit before she got saved. Deep conviction about the way she was living in her life. The Holy Spirit shows the intimate things of God, the love of God in a more deep, real way. Through the Holy Spirit, we see the compassion of God, His brokenness, His desire for us to be broken and humble and contrite. We see the beauty of holiness. We see the pretty coat of sin pulled off of it to show its real putrid entails of wickedness. Who is God? Do you want to know Him? He wants to know you. That's the beauty of it all. That God is seeking you. He wants to know you. I take your Bibles as I close here to Romans chapter one, verse nineteen and twenty. Romans 1, 19 and twenty. What a profound! And again, we're going to we're going to the one of those three things that reveal God this morning: the Word of God. You say, Brother Bill, you mean to tell me the Bible will let me see who God is? He, it will in conjunction with the blessed Holy Spirit, as you read it, you'll understand it. You say, Brother Bill, I don't read it. You'll, you can't understand that which you do not read. Look in verse 19, it says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. And it's talking about the world, everybody. For God has showed it unto them. Amen. Whoo. There's people tell me, what about the old uh, 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 pygmy over in Africa? God has showed himself to him. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. Being understood by the things that are made, what is, what is, what is shown? His eternal power and Godhead, and remember, God wrote this, so that they are without excuse, they'll not be anybody stand before the great white throne and say, "Nobody cared for me, nobody loved me, nobody came by, nobody did this when God has screamed at them their whole life. Come to me, seek me, hunger for me, thirst for me how Make sure I come by. There's been missionary testimonies through the years of how that uh, missionaries have met, especially when Africa was opening up, first opening up, and how they would meet them. They would meet men that had walked 30, 40 miles, didn't know where they were going, but just God had just told them start down this road. They wanted to know the real God, the creator of all that is, the real, true, living God. They didn't know his name was, they didn't know where he was, but they just wanted to know him, and the guy started walking down the road that he had felt so led to do, and the missionary met him and was able to give him the gospel and be saved. I've heard that over and over again. I believe if you'll listen to the blessed Holy Spirit's voice, you'll find a gospel tract that's been thrown away as refuse and pick it up and say, what's this? Be saved. Why? The Bible says, 1 Peter 3, 9, it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should be saved. If, if God wants people to be saved, he can, he, can, he can at least get to them. Now He wants us to go into the world and preach the gospel of every creature. I don't want to diminish the importance of you and me doing what we're supposed to do. I think it's, it's in some degree dependent on our faithfulness, but God has gone even beyond us and testified by all that he has made, that he exists. He's testified by who he is, by the word of God. He testifies of himself by the blessed Holy Spirit. Do you want to know God? He wants to know you. And why don't you ask him to be your savior, your Lord, your master, through his son, Jesus Christ. Father, we pray this morning as a simple message has been spoken. The Bible says of itself, It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The word of God has been verbalized. These folks have heard. The Holy Spirit of God has come and is here to explain to those who would know the truth, the words of life. Would you come and make it make it clear? Would you want more clarity? In a moment, we're going to have an invitation. Sing a couple verses of a song and ask God to move upon your heart through his blessed Holy Spirit. Maybe you're listening to my voice at this moment saying, Brother Bond, no, I'm not ready to stand before God. I'm not ready. There's just something in me telling me I'm not ready. You can be ready. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. why don't you with your heart believe unto salvation and with your mouth make confession? Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven. As a young man, when I heard a preacher quote that or say that, I said, Lord, I want to profess you before men. And from there to the day, I've tried to be bold about professing Jesus before men. Someday I know I'm going to stand before him. And I don't want him to say, you were ashamed of me. And I don't want to be ashamed. Father, we pray that you do your work that only you can do. Break through the barriers, the argument, by the blinding ministry of Satan. Defeat it right now, defeat it. And let their eyes be open that they, lest they see the light of the glorious gospel of God and be saved. May it happen. If you're a Christian here today and you say, Brother Bill, I've I've really honestly not done justice to the Bible. I'm not pursuing God in my life. I'm pursuing everything that doesn't last, but I'm not pursuing God. Our number one pursuit is God. May you do it. May God help you do it. In Jesus' name, amen.